Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. God wants us free. God wants me and you to be free, victorious, overcoming. How does that happen? Well, it's not actually how. Let's rearrange those letters a little bit. It's who. Think about all of the Bible verses that tell us it's God who gives us the victory. Joseph told his brethren, you meant it for evil, but God worked it for good. He set me free. God spoke to Jehoshaphat when he was surrounded. Do not fear, do not be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. David got it right in the Valley of Elah. You come to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Lord God of the angel armies. He will deliver you into my hand. God sets us free. It's not how we are to be set free. It's who sets us free. Solomon said the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Moses sang about those horses. God is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he has hurled into the sea. How is that for visual imagery? Can't you see the mighty arm of God doing just that? Paul said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here comes the psalmist who says, some boast in chariots. Some are bragging about their horses. Let me just add a few lines here. Some boast in their pedigree. Some boast in their gifts, talents, charisma, ability. Some boast in their knowledge. Some boast in money. Some boast in political connections, their friends. Some boast in their possessions. Others boast in prestige, power, and politics, but not us. We will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Why? Why? They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. And there it is to each and every one of us on daily devotion that we are less concerned with how we are set free than the who. It's God who gives us the victory. Today, I want to talk about freedom, overcoming being set free from everything that comes against us. It was in that letter to Corinth where we learned so many details about the Apostle Paul. He describes his heartaches, his sufferings, his setbacks, his physical, mental, social emotional, spiritual upheavals, his isolation, his alienation. In that second letter to the Corinthian church, he describes his disappointments, his discouragement, his hills, his valleys, his being left for dead, beaten, whipped, persecuted, how he had been in constant danger under threat for his life in the city and in the countryside. But hear what he has to say in 2 Corinthians 2.14. 
What a verse of scripture. After seeing all that I have seen, after enduring all that I've endured, here's what Paul says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. It's God that gives us the victory. Here in this daily devotion, I want to underscore, embolden, highlight that in your mind, it's God. It's the who, not the how. It is God that gives us the victory. So whatever we are facing today, whatever we are going through, we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Here's a couple of things. A couple of things I want you to notice. First, you may not sense the victory. Our emotions are misleading barometers. We may not feel the victory, but God is assuredly leading you to a place of victory. You may feel surrounded, but I love the prayer of Elisha in that valley. His servant looked and saw all of the hosts of the enemies gathered against them. But Elisha prayed that God would open his eyes, and God did. And the servants saw that the hillsides were filled with the angel armies above the enemy armies. I think that's what we need to know, is whether we feel it or not, the angel armies are around us. That God is in the business of leading us into triumph. You may not see the victory yet. You may not sense it yet, but it's coming. That's the first thing we need to know about this victory, this freedom that God is bringing to us. Here's the second thing. Jesus manifests through us his sweet aroma and knowledge everywhere we go. That everywhere we go, there is a scent of liberation. There is a fragrance of freedom that clings to us. Like those three Hebrew boys who went into the fire, they exited without even the smell of smoke. You're not going to carry with you the fragrance of your struggle, but God is going to carry you through that trial, and there will be a sweet fragrance of his presence clinging to you. Yes, oh yes, I know it's not the how, it's the who, and I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able, able to keep me, able to see me through, able to give me the victory, able to help me triumph over all things, seen and unseen, known and unknown. Victory, overcoming power, begins when we get the who before everything else, the who before the how. When we pray, we are looking to Jesus, the who. He's our source. He's our strength. He's our help. And then we can consider the how because it's in the medium and the vehicle of prayer that we go to the who. Prayer expresses our reliance upon Jesus. It's a not my will, but thine be done exercise. To maximize the effectiveness of our prayers, we will also fast 
because fasting weakens the flesh. Our greatest enemy is not out there somewhere. Our greatest enemy is the one we live with, the one we see in the mirror each and every morning. It's self. It's the carnal nature. It's flesh. The enemy of our souls, Satan, is a defeated foe. We have to recognize it, claim it, live like it. But our flesh, we must die daily. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. We must decrease as Jesus increases. How do we break chains? How? It's through prayer and fasting. Through Isaiah, God asked the question, is this not the fast that I chose? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. It's prayer and fasting. That's how we break chains. If you want more detail on that, you can look into my book on prayer at kengurley.com. And I go through the components of an effective fast, some do's and don'ts. I believe, though, that fasting is perhaps the most powerful Christian discipline because it's through fasting and prayer that God's Spirit can transform our lives and transform our worlds. There's a mighty case to be made for fasting. When the people of God fast, we become hypersensitive to the voice of God. Believers who honor God with a proper biblical motive and with a broken, contrite spirit see results when they fast and pray. Fasting and prayer ushers in great revival. Families are touched. Communities are impacted. And great healings, miracles, salvations, conversions result. Alice Smith said fasting is one of the means God has provided for us to come into a closer relationship with him. Spiritual discernment is one of several benefits when fasting. She said fasting sharpens our ability to discern the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Discernment enhances our ability to see God's perspective in a given situation. Unfortunately, many people don't fast. David R. Smith wrote in Fasting a Neglected Discipline. He said the last book he saw on the spiritual discipline of fasting was printed in 1861, at least a theological treatise. Since that time, a couple of excellent books have been written, yet the truth still remains. Fasting is a neglected practice by many people. And the chief reason, of course, we live in a fleshly age. And when flesh is magnified, fasting is minimized. Another reason we live in a shallow, superficial age. I can't think of a better cure for this age than fasting and prayer. As God told Edom in Jeremiah 49, 8, dwell deep. But really, I think the final reason we don't fast is we're ill-informed, misinformed. But a spiritual fast is born from a hungry burden, a zealous heart, reaching out for God and saying, Lord, I need you more than I need the air that I breathe and the food that I eat. Oh, can you see the power of fasting? 
In the Bible, fasting can be caused by struggle. Hannah was in an emotional distress. Jonathan was upset. Ahab was petulant. David was grieving. David and his men were filled with sorrow. The motive of fasting is important. Doing right for the wrong reasons doesn't make it right. So many fasts throughout the Bible. Who will bring us to victory? That's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. How will we get there? We will get there when we follow the Lord in fasting and in prayer. Anna the prophetess never left the temple, but worshiped day and night fasting and prayer. Antioch prayed and fasted and appointed the first missionaries. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount didn't say if you fast, but when you fast, when you pray. These kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. There is a freedom. There is a victory. There is a power to overcome reserved for those who fast and pray. So God asked, is this not the fast I have chosen to break chains, to set people free? Maybe God today is speaking to your heart. What breakthrough do you need? What soul needs to be rescued? What chronic issue needs to be resolved. Remember first, we find the victory through the who, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the how is through prayer and through fasting. That's how God is going to give us the victory. I pray that for you today. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. May God's favor rest on you in every way. Until we meet again.